0: This is Science Moab, a show exploring the science happening in Southeast Utah and the Colorado Plateau. I'm your host, Peggy Hodgkins, coming to you from Moab, Utah. Today we are talking about the humpback chub. This is a fish native to the Colorado River Basin that has been living in its swift and turbulent waters for over three million years. These fish are unusual looking members of the minnow family. They can live as long as 30 years and they're characterized by large fins and pronounced humps behind their heads. Because of the ruggedness and remoteness of their canyon habitat, it wasn't until 1946 that this species was first described in the scientific literature. Once prevalent in the Colorado waters, the humpback chub was listed as endangered by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in 1967, and then given full protection under the Endangered Species Act in 1973.
1: The humpback chub is endemic to the Colorado River system. It's found nowhere else in the world. It's uh, one of eight endemic species that are are found in Grand Canyon. The humpback chub and other Colorado River endemic fishes have experienced incredible change uh, to their habitat in the Colorado River. And it probably started with the introduction of non native fish that either were introduced purposely into the Colorado River or navigated their way down into the river system from headwaters. Following that, man started building dams on the Colorado River that fragmented the river's habitat and profoundly changed the ecosystem, including limiting the temperature to cold, stable conditions that uh, it couldn't necessarily reproduce in very well.
0: Today, we are talking with Brian Healy. Brian is the Native Fish Ecology and Conservation Program Manager at the Grand Canyon National Park. He's also a PhD candidate in ecology at Utah State University. In addition to studying the ecology of the humpback chub and other native fish in the Grand Canyon, Brian works to restore habitat and populations of these native fish.
1: Humpback chub are just as much a part of the Grand Canyon or anywhere else in the Colorado River as the rocks and the the canyons and the the trees and the rapids. It's, It's something that makes the place unique in the world. Dam building and introduction of non-native species are probably a couple of the, the most prolific and widespread uh, threats to biodiversity and, um, and native fish throughout the world. The Colorado probably is more regulated and, and the, the use of water on the Colorado River system might be among the most extreme as far as uh, impacts to rivers, but, but it's not unique yeah. to, to this system.
0: Why why do you think it's not found anywhere else besides the Grand Canyon area?
1: Actually its native range includes uh, the Green Upper Green River river the Colorado uh, primarily it's it evolved within the Colorado River system itself so the conditions that were present in the Colorado through uh, you know prehistory it, it adapted to those conditions and the Colorado River was isolated from other rivers uh, which allowed it to um evolve
0: cool and so are there other native fish that have been pushed out of the uh, Grand Canyon ecosystem and tributaries?
1: We have two or actually three species that are extirpated from Grand Canyon and probably the, the most charismatic of those, um, although I hate to qualify that, is the, is the Colorado pike minnow. It was this five to six foot long predatory minnow, the largest predatory minnow in the in the world. And this this fish probably One of the most limiting factors was the um, isolation of its um, spawning habitats by dams. So historically, that fish probably would have swam hundreds of miles up and down the Colorado River to spawn and rear. And so that really, really hurt its ability to complete its life history. And then also the uh, the bony tail, um, which is another chub species similar to the the humpback chub. And then the other one is the round tail chub which is really more of a tributary species, but there are records from around Grand Canyon of brown-tailed of shove as well.
0: So aside from the dam building and the human influence, well, I guess it's all connected, but there are invasive fish species taking over the humpback and the other native fish's habitat. What are these species and how is all that happening?
1: As far as in Grand Canyon itself, when they completed the Glen Canyon Dam. It changed the um, river discharge from being a seasonally warm and you know, muddy river to one that's colder and more stable year round. Essentially this more stable environment allowed for trout that were introduced into um, the tributaries in the 20s and then also downstream of Glen Canyon Dam by the uh, Arizona Game and Fish Department. It allowed those fish to persist and expand throughout the Colorado River and Grand Canyon. Conditions are beginning to change in the last decade or so, the extended drought and declining lake levels in Lake Powell. We now see um, warmer uh, water releasing from Glen Canyon Dam, Um, but it's still within the range that supports trout. Around Moab and, and the Upper Colorado River, you know, you don't have that same temperature issue. So you have many more warm water invasive species that we are really concerned about expanding into Grand Canyon in the future when the, the river here is, is warm. I and mean, we think that there's a threat from rainbow and brown trout in Grand Canyon that, that's been well documented by our research. And we're actively trying to limit the, the, um, the threat of trout to the native fish. But we're really, really concerned about things like smallmouth bass or um, northern pike or, or catfish other really predatory invasive species taking off here that'll be much more difficult to control than, than the trout probably.
0: In order to mitigate the threat to the humpback chub, conservation efforts have involved a process known as translocation. Translocation is defined as the human assisted movement of individuals from a source population to other waters within their historical range. It is widely used in recovery plans for endangered fishes.
1: Grand Canyon National Park has been implementing some conservation actions with the support of the Bureau of Reclamation and Fish and Wildlife Service and others to mitigate the threats to humpback chub, and those include translocating juvenile humpback chub from a source population that's been sustained since the dam closure in the Little Colorado River. We're taking those juvenile fish and moving them into tributaries to try to establish new populations. And prior to the translocations of the humpback chub, and, and actually during those, we also are removing trout from those environments. And my research involves studying the response in the, the, um, all the fish community, essentially, both the native and non-natives to these, um, these actions.
0: So you're physically removing some of the invasive fish species. And how are you going about doing that?
1: That's right. So we generally have been removing trout using electrofishing. And this is a, a really common, commonly applied tool to monitor fish population. It introduces a current into the water, an electrical current that temporarily sort of stuns the fish so we can net them up and then we can selectively move the non-natives and re- release the uh, native fish unharmed.
0: There's some tributary that it won't work because it has its own some sort of current in it.
1: That's right. So when you have, this sounds maybe counterintuitive, but uh, when you have really high mineral content, I guess, and and really high conductivity in the water, the electrofishing equipment doesn't work. So that that includes have soup Creek, <laughs> where we have reintroduced humpback chub. the The good the good news there though is that there's very very few non-native fish in Havasu Creek and so um, although they can be a threat to the growth of the humpback chub and their reproduction, um, they're generally at, at a fairly low level and, and not as much of a concern as other places like Bright Angel mm-hmm. Creek where we have re- had really high densities of trout. There is an area where
0: the humpback chub are spawning naturally in the Little Colorado River, which is pretty cool. So what's happening in the Little Colorado River that is permitting them to thrive there?
1: Well, we think the conditions in the Little Colorado River are have been very conducive to their life history, their, their reproduction, and, and they're also fairly harsh and, and um, may not be as supportive for um, trout and other non-native fish that could prey on the chub there. Although they do um, move in and out of the Little Colorado River, so we think that that's the case there. Unfortunately, though, we also think that with the with the ongoing drought and lower snowpack in the Little Colorado R- River drainage, there's less spring runoff, and those spring floods may be important to you know clean the substrates and clean out all the sediments from the Little Colorado River so that the whole, the humpback chub can spawn. It's kind of a similar situation in um, in other tributaries, and I've found some of that in my research in other tributaries too, where um, spring runoff flooding has found to be have a positive impact on uh, native fish reproduction.
0: It sounds like you have been successful in translocating the chub into other tributaries along the you know the Grand Canyon. If they thrive in these tributaries, could they ever make it to the main stem if that water temperature just remains as cold as it is coming out of Glen Canyon Dam?
1: We, we look at the, um, the tributaries and the main stem as being connected in that um, the tributary systems have been really important for spawning for native fish, not just humpback chub, but other species like flannel mouse sucker and bluehead sucker, which are imperiled and, and um, endemic to the Colorado River system as well. So historically, we've, we've looked at the, the tributaries as being really important to maintaining habitats for reproduction of the native fish and, and they do, once they spawn in the tributaries, drift into the main stem and um, we do have large populations of native fish in the main stem and that the temperature out of the dam over the last decade or so has gotten warmer and it, and it warms as you move further away downstream from the dam, so the lower river has really high numbers of native fish. And we're also starting to think that there's been reproduction of humpback chub in the main stem Colorado River, you know, fairly far downstream from the dam and Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. Since since about 2014.
0: So, that work with the humpback in terms of translocating them from where they're spawning in the little Colorado River, is that something that's going to continue or is that just a one time experiment?
1: It's ongoing. Um, We generally set up five-year adaptive management plans for each one of those uh, tributaries. So the idea is that we translocate about two to 300 fish in each tributary over a period of about five years and then monitor the results and try to understand what factors led to them establishing and reproducing versus not establishing, yeah. <laughs> essentially. And um, unfortunately, though, since about 2016, we've really had a hard time collecting enough um juvenile humpback chub from the Little Colorado River to, to translocate. So the idea is that we would, but um, we've only really successfully collected enough fish there in um, 2019. And again, this year it looks like another really poor production year for, for humpback chub due to the lack of spring runoff.
0: So are there other methods or experiments or studies that you have planned for the humpback uh, and other natives?
1: I guess we we're kind of right now trying to figure out how to proceed given the um, the low production numbers in the LCR but essentially we're we're still in the process of trying to understand what drives the um, the population dynamics of these tributary populations as well as in the main stem. so part of my research is to analyze the data that can indicate reproductive rates and growth rates and survival rates of those fish and then sort of link them with the environmental variables including you know the numbers of trout or other non-natives and variation in temperature and and flow regimes you know like flooding you know during the spring versus during snow melt as well as during the monsoon season and trying to link those things together and see how we can best manage the species and what what things that we can do to, to give them their best uh, chance for success in the tributaries.
0: I mean, how, what methods do you use to actually physically count fish, both the native and the invasives?
1: So fish, <laughs> fish are a hard thing to manage. It's kind of like um, managing a forest and counting trees in the forest, except that the, the fish are, you can't see them and they're moving around all the time. <laughs> so it makes it really difficult, <laughs> but uh, we generally um, use mathematical models to estimate their abundance essentially based on the number we catch and the, the number that we recapture. You know, so we mark individual humpback chub, for example, with a, a pit tag that's like a similar to the uh, microchips we might put in our pets. It okay. has a unique identifier. From recapturing those marked fish, we can essentially estimate the probability of survival for the population, for example. So one of the things that the the things that I'm working on most recently is trying to understand, you know, as I mentioned earlier, how best we can manage that brown trout population that's now linked between a spawning area of low Glen Canyon Dam and also in Bright Angel Creek, you know, in Bright Angel Creek, we've been fairly successful at suppressing that population and the native fish have really flourished there. But um, in this case, we now have this um, you know, meta population of brown trout where they're spawning in multiple places, and usually in conservation, when you're trying to maintain a species, you you want that meta population with multiple populations that, uh, you know, if one kind of dies out in a year, it can be replaced by movement from the other. And right. so, right now, we're I'm just trying to understand um, how best to manage that population, and I, mean, I can see that even small. Levels or low levels of movement between Bright Angel and you know the Lee's Ferry population are are possibly going to be, you know, maintaining the the overall brown trout population. So it's a really really big challenge for managers to figure out um, how best to reduce that threat to our right. native species.
0: Some of Brian's most recent work deals with trying to manage the huge invasive population of brown trout that are threatening native fish species. To this end, some unique alternatives have arisen.
1: There's 11 um, traditionally associated Indian tribes that have cultural roots roots in Grand Canyon and their beliefs um, and culture are, is, are, is very diverse you know, between, between yeah. them. Taking of life is is somewhat offensive to them, so we're trying our best, you know, to um, mitigate that that issue through consultation with some of the the tribes. We've um, agreed to provide them for beneficial use, so okay. that that people can eat them. Or um, some of the tribes have uh, uh, ceremonial eagle aviaries, and so we've okay. we've supplied some trout for for feed for those eagles as well. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It makes us feel, feel better also.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> also wanted to mention that uh, the Glen Canyon National Recreation Area has been providing anglers with an incentive to, to um, <clears throat> retain brown trout from the system. So um, you can earn $33 a fish um, if wow. you turn in into brown trout at, at uh, their receptacle there at uh, near Navajo Bridge on Glen Canyon National Recreation Area. Paying anglers to help us with the native fish seems like a really good win-win situation for everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, and who who's providing the, the money? Um, some of the money comes from the National Park Service
1: and also the uh, Glen Canyon National Recreation Area's friends group.
0: Well, Brian, thanks for talking to Science Moab and I uh, really enjoy learning more about your research.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate the time. I really enjoy um, talking about our, our fish and my research and, as well. Thank you.
0: To learn more or listen to other Science Moab episodes, Visit sciencemoab.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Science Moab Media is by Sophia Fisher. Newsletter by Rhonda Cook. Our theme music is by Jeremy Spaulding. And the show is produced by Peggy Hodgkins, Christina Young, and KZMU. If you love Science Moab, let us know. Leave a rating on Spotify or a review on iTunes. And consider supporting Science Moab by donating to the podcast at sciencemoab.org. This programming is unique to Moab, Utah, and your support makes it possible.